0: Well, we talk a lot about the high cost of living, and, and for very good reason. It's gone up. It's gone up a lot recently. I mean, you talk about inflation, you can talk about interest rates. They all come combine together to make things more expensive, right? And sadly, making matters worse, Canadians have seen the cost of living go up. Well, incomes have remained the same, or in many ways, uh, depending on how you look at it, actually declined. Um Our next guest wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail outlining the situation and kind of shredding the government's economic strategy and uh, saying it's a big reason that we're, in the mess that we're in now and some things would be better done different ways. Let's check in with David Williams now, Vice President of Policy at the Business Council of British Columbia. David, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks very much, Jay. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, let's define the terms here to start. You talk about per capita GDP, which basically is just a function of GDP change in relation to population change,
1: right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the best way to think about it is is gross domestic product or GDP is the total income that households and businesses produce in Canada in one year. And we care about that uh, adjusted for population on a per capita basis because that income is what we use to feed our families. That's what we take to the grocery store. That's what we use to fill our tanks with petrol uh, and so forth. So that's really a great indicator of of how the economy is going. And I think most Canadians would agree that we want an economy where where average real incomes uh, are going up. Uh, not going down or sideways
0: yeah exactly no question about it but if you take a look at the data when you look at canada and uh, you know real income it, it it has actually gone down in some instances and at best really lagged behind other sectors right it's not doing well if you go back actually a number of years right
1: that's right it's, it was growing at a pretty weak rate before the the pandemic only about half a percent a year uh, in the five years to 2019 but since 2019, uh, we've had the, the fifth weakest economy out of the 38 OECD countries. Uh, and and in fact, on a per capita basis, the economy is already in recession and it's been in recession for the last four years. Uh, real GDP per person, real, real income per person was $55,200 uh, last quarter, uh, whereas it was $56,400 in uh, 2019. So that's down 2.1% uh from 4 years ago so just to put that in in hard numbers uh it's $1200 per person lower than it was 4 years ago or nearly $3000 lower than it was per household 4 years ago and that's in real terms adjusted for inflation right yeah
0: which is uh that, that's depressing to to hear the numbers put that way um what what's the forecast here i mean like you say going back a number of years you can see the trend does it reverse at any point how long will canadians have to wait to see things come back
1: well, I think this is why we're calling for change and it's something that the House of Commons really needs to consider when it, when it sits on, uh, on the 18th of September um, because the economic plan just, it really isn't working. If you look at the federal budget, uh, there's some forecasts in there for GDP and if you make some assumptions about population growth, uh, we're not going to see real incomes per person recover from where they were pre-pandemic until at least 2027. Uh, so the economy is expected to go sideways uh for at least the next few years. And then if you look beyond that, the, uh, the OECD did a report in the latter part of uh, 2021 uh looking at you know, long-term growth for all of the 38 advanced countries. And Canada is is expected to be the worst-performing economy out of the 38 advanced countries over the next decade to, to 2030, and then also the three decades after that to 2060. So wow. four decades of having the lowest growth in per capita Uh, GDP per capita incomes Uh, so you know Canadians aren't sort of imagining this you don't need to be an economist to sort of understand this, it's really straightforward Uh, we see the symptoms of slippage in our living standards when we're considering how far our paycheck uh, stretches after inflation, when we're trying to buy groceries for our family, when we're filling up our car on the way back from the school run when you're looking at your mortgage account statement and how much is going to interest when you take stock of all the taxes that we're paying uh, you know intuitively you just can feel that you're sort of either going sideways or backwards at the moment and that's what the data is showing. Uh,
0: When we take a look, and like you say, a lot of this is government policy that's gotten us into this mess, where has it gone wrong? You cite three in your report, three main Mm -hmm. factors where the government's sort of lost the plot here.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the first thing we've said is that this freewheeling government spending that we've been having, uh, you know, where we don't have any kind of credible fiscal anchor, we're not we're, it's been very undisciplined, and the government has, sort of in its marketing of its, its spending, has called it all consumption rather than and, you know, and, and sorry called it investment um, that raises real incomes. But really, it's just been consumption; it hasn't raised real incomes. And as I say, the data is the data; it mm. says that real incomes haven't been rising. So, so it's simply uh, not true. So, you know, the federal government's really been asking Canadians to tighten their belts. In effect, uh, when it's been doing no such thing. I mean, Canada. Went through the pandemic in 2020 we were one of the only countries in the, i think we were the only country in the world that didn't even produce a budget in 2020. it wasn't you know how do you track your spending if you're not even producing a budget that year the following year we had uh, a budget document that was sort of a rambling 700 page uh, document Uh, and then you know the budget document started to improve a bit in 2022 and 2023 it is sort of a a bit more cogent Uh, but still government spending federally is running about 60 billion dollars above its long-term trend Um, you know as I say the government has really left all the work to the Bank of Canada to bring in you know runaway inflation bring that down through higher interest rates and obviously that means that Uh, who bears the brunt of that are are people with mortgages.
0: Yeah, no question. And and we're seeing that play out right now. You also talk about the fact that government, rather than taking a a hands-off approach and letting business handle business, has really taken the approach that, no, 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 the the government needs to be more heavily involved. And that's backfired.
1: That's right. If you look at business investment in Canada on a per-worker basis, it's actually been falling uh, since since 2015, uh, meaning that businesses are not even invest- They have equipment, they have technologies, they have R and D, and so forth, but they're not invest even investing enough to keep up with depreciation. So when a worker goes to work, they actually have less equipment than they had, you know, last year, the year before, in in, in real terms, um, which is which is quite extraordinary, and that's why the level of productivity in Canada. Uh, has been falling for eleven of the past twelve quarters. The, the Canadian workforce, on a per worker, on a per worker or per hour basis, is no more productive than it was six years ago. So businesses do not decide to invest in Canada because the government has an office of, you know, an innovation or or a government yeah. program that that you know provides some subsidies uh, for them. Businesses look at the overall environment in Canada. They say, what are our potential returns here? Uh, what's the regulatory environment? How many headaches are we going to have? Can I, can I understand how long it's going to take me to get a permit to do the, the, the project that I've got in mind? Uh, and then they'll look at the tax system um, Not just the level of tax rates, but also how complex and and inefficient the yeah. tax system is and they take it all together And they look at it and they've, they've been voting with their feet as I say the level of business investment in Canada uh, it, you know, is going down the, the, the capital stock uh, on a per worker basis is actually shrinking, which which I didn't even think as an economist was, was possible. But there you are.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's just unattractive, right? If it's not, a, they, they won't come here, they won't invest. Uh, running low on time here, but I do want to ask you about the third pillar because it's one that people are talking mm-hmm. about quite a bit right now, and that's immigration. And we know that's been ramped up. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of good reasons cited for it. But you're saying at the end of the day, it does cost Canadians.
1: Uh, well, actually, what we're saying is that it's, it's essentially a wash um what does the academic literature say about the level of immigration and its impact its overall impact its total impact on the economy uh well it, it generally finds that it has a neutral or a negligible overall impact on the indicators that really matter for a country's living standards it has a, a, a trivial effect on labor productivity no real effect on on real wages overall or the employment rate it's not a panacea for an aging population um because um, and I can vouch for this myself, being an immigrant, immigrant's age as well. Um, so it doesn't really move the needle uh, on most of these indicators. And, and most crucially of all, it doesn't affect GDP per person. So if we're looking at immigration as being a magic pill that's going to overcome all our structural problems so that we don't actually have to deal with them, um, you know, I'm afraid, you know, it's just not, the, the science just isn't there to support mm-hmm thinking about ever-increasing immigration as being some sort of economic panacea.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and it also comes with the cost, right? And and like, so if it's a wash, okay, uh, but you'd like to see it tip to the other side. You'd like to see one of these factors tip to the other side, David. I'm sorry? You'd like to see one of these factors actually leading to an upside. I mean, a wash, as you say, in terms of immigration and, and, you know, economy going sideways. Those aren't good terms. You'd like to see some growth in some positive uh, direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the immigra- thinking that immigration is going to is going to change the, the, the situation in Canada is sort of like believing that if you invite more people to Christmas dinner, it's going to be easier because they can help with the washing up. Right. right? Like, you know, so like, you know, we quoted Mark Twain in the article. It's it's not what you don't <laughs> it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you ain't- what you know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> um, and what we're really missing, and what we can't get away from, is that we need an economic policy agenda in Canada that's actually focused on making average real incomes go up over yeah. time rather than sideways or down. Or down. Yeah. That, that's very simple, which means we need an agenda that, that we need some some, some modest uh, fiscal and monetary policy restraint, not just monetary policy restraint, to try to bring inflation down. Yeah, but yeah. we also need a productivity-focused agenda to improve the conditions for business investment, for innovation, so that our firms become big and they compete and they export on the global stage.
0: More attractive environment. David, I am fresh out of time, but thank you so much for being here.